Well, hello, folks. It is between two Sundays, and you are with Mark Ladman and my esteemed friend who is 900 kilometers away, but by the magic of the interwebs is sitting right there. Mark Beresford, how are you, man? I'm, I'm really good, Mark. Great to see you. Yeah, um, did I? You look as handsome yeah. as you did last week. I, I'm doing my very best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know for years Katie's talked about our bromance, but anyway, that's another story. So, <laughs> oh, mm. between two Sundays, we uh, talk between about two Sundays, yes. the readings. The readings that are coming, but we also talk about the readings, <laughs> how we've lived out the readings that have been. And of course, last week was Lent three. Uh, yes, and our readings were from Isaiah fifty-five, uh, Psalm sixty-three, one Corinthians ten. And Luke 13, 31 to 35. Mm. Uh, what did you carry in, man? What, what have you been walking with over the last couple of days? Yeah, so I've been, um, so I've been work, walking with that last part of Isaiah 55. Yeah. My thoughts, not your thoughts, nor my ways, your ways. Uh, the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, I, I think I find, I find that tremendously, tremendously humbling. And uh, it, it just makes me, it, it, I, it, I'm finding it causing me to walk through the world, so to speak, um, expecting... Expecting and embracing this upside-down kingdom that we talk about so often, or, or yeah. the language that I, um, you know, at, at my church we've been sitting with the Beatitudes for the last little while, going through one at a time, and they are all. This is such a countercultural way to understand the world. Yeah. It's so so upside down from everything. It's so different to the way we think, and um, I think as I've been as I've been, you know, going through, going about my day, my week, holding this, there's just been an expectation that God's doing more, because I don't think it's just that the heavens yeah. are higher, and you know, other. I think there's there's a um, a sense of the vastness of the heavens in contrast to the earth that kind of sits here in this um, in this passage. But for, that for me, I, I just find myself thinking um, God is doing far more than I can ever get my head around. And those few small moments that I might have, maybe maybe you know one or two a week, where I just find find a small glimpse of what God is doing. Um, I, I, I just find myself thinking, you, you know, God is speaking in a billion different ways every moment. And I get the privilege of seeing this, you know, having my eyes open to this maybe just once a week or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I found myself wanting more of those moments. 
um, wanting more of those moments where I, I I find myself looking at the circumstances and saying, um, God, God is bigger and I don't know what God is doing, but I'm so pleased to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that um, I, I found that, you know, those those words have really been running through my head, challenging me to be perhaps more expectant of God to do God to work in strange ways, perhaps more attentive to the possibility that God is at work in places I don't usually pay attention to. Um, perhaps making me just a little bit more reluctant to say, to insist that I know what God is doing. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's yeah, been an interesting way. I've really enjoyed sitting with that. I love sitting with these passages that call us to humility before God. And um, this is one that's done that for me this week. It's funny you should pull up because that's the one that sat with me as well. But yeah, right. Uh, it linked back to for me. I reflected on it uh, as I fifty five eight, along with yeah. the, um, the the gospel, uh, and of course, central to the gospel is Jesus. Yeah. And you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, and. It really got me reflecting on Jesus, who knew God intimately, uh, and who, when we see living, I mean, Jesus' whole mission was to live what that intimacy and intricacy and intertwiningness with the Spirit is a, what it looks like. Literally, what we see in Jesus is available to us all that intimate relationship with God where we're so interconnected with the Spirit we can follow wherever the spirit leads. Um, even if it's into the wilderness, like we talked about just the other week. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, and, and I thought about how we've sanitized Jesus. We, we, and not just we have sanitized Jesus, we prefer a sanitized version yeah. of Jesus. Um, we want Jesus to look like us. I don't think we've truly got our heads around the fact that we are to look like and be like Jesus. And when I say yeah. look yeah. like and be like Jesus, literally to be living so intertwined with the Christ that we can say like Jesus, I am. And I realized mm. this week through some other reading I was doing that when Jesus says I am, he's not saying I am God. He's actually saying what God is, I am. And what God is, you can be too, because what God is, you already are. It's yeah, rediscovering yeah. that. And so this yeah. you know, whole idea of, well, if my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways not your ways, why do I want Jesus to conform to mine? Why do questions, like you're know, talking about, you know, humility and wrestling with the issue. You know, today I had a conversation with a group of people about justice and judgment. Mm. And it was really confronting for some people because it was challenged mm. the whole notion of what it means to judge and why we shouldn't judge. And 
it was almost like there was a few of us who weren't going to let us get away with squirming out of it and saying, oh, but, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that. And then there's this and there's, you know, the justice system has to do what it does and la, la, la. And some of us were kind of like, but why? That's, mm. that's the way we want it. We want to take offenders and lock them up. Does yeah. God want us to do that? Does God truly want us to do that? Oh, but, you know, we've got to keep society safe. Yes, we do. But is that the way to do it? Um, mm. And it's a hard question. And so it just yeah. really, again, to use your words, humbled me to the point where mm. I really think I'm going to have to sit with this image of Jesus um, and who I've made Jesus to be. It's almost like that golden calf, you know, that Israelites come out into the desert and they throw all their jewelry together and make a golden calf. And it's interesting that if you read the text carefully, when they come down, um, or before Moses comes down the mountain, um, Aaron literally says, look, this is the Lord. This is, this Yahweh. is Yahweh. Yeah. Um, no wonder God was upset because he was, you know, <laughs> this is God. He's a yeah. cow. Um, so it wasn't yeah. a case that they were making another God. They were making their, the, the God who brought them out of Egypt in their image. No wonder, you know, God said no graven images. Um, yeah. something the Jews and the Muslims have been good at keeping and but not so much the Western Christian <laughs> interestingly yeah. but anyhow so yeah that's that's mm. that's where I've been chewing what is this image of Jesus and have I sanitized it to the point where what would Jesus do is a moot question because the Jesus yeah. so that I want to be doing what they did probably is doing what I would want them to do not what they would do mm. um Anyway, it's a really interesting question, Mark, to um, to hold next to um, the, the thought that we are created in the image of God. Yes, um, because if you if you hold if you hold these two thoughts together, that my ways are not God God's ways, and I'm created in the image of God. You know, the, this this going in the direction of my ways is actually a going against who I am. Um, mm. it, it's running against the grain of, of the core of humanity. Oh, going against the grain. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've, been um, reading, I've been reading about this in the Tao Te Ching, the whole idea that yeah, right. part, of, part of the flow is to go with nature. So you don't cut the wood against the grain, cut it with the yeah. grain, and it's so much easier yeah. to cut. Don't try and swim against the tide, swim with the tide, and you'll get there quicker. Yeah. We yes. find so much hassle in life because we're pushing against our true nature, which is the image of God. Yes. Whose yes. ways should be our ways. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so true, man. An, an, incredibly, an incredibly hopeful thought, actually, that Isaiah even tells us this. I think, mm. um, because there, you know, there's no point in telling us if we have no no influence over the direction we go or whose image we are made in. Um, if we have no influence over that, this is just it's just babble. Um, but the very very thought that we are instructed in this and asked to consider this is so profoundly hopeful. It seems to me to be inherently 
um, to, to inherently hold to the possibility of turning around or changing our imaginations of ourselves, repentance, which I, I would argue is, is actually a key part of the nature of repentance. Yeah. Is that we change our imagination of the of the world? We we, con, we conform to the um, uh, the stories of Jesus, so to speak. The the, the way God has um, revealed God in the person of Jesus. Yeah, fantastically exciting stuff. Fantastically exciting, I think. Whew. And that's just Lent three. Yeah, yeah, we haven't even. We are no, we're about to jump into Lent four. Uh, and so this coming Sunday, Lent four, our readings come from Joshua chapter five, verses two to twelve, Psalm 32, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 21, and Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. And of course, all those uh links, although sorry, links, but the readings list will be either below you if you're watching on YouTube or they yep. will be in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, and, I mean, dude, we could be going for another week and a half just on these readings alone. Um, there is yeah. so, yeah. so, so, so much here. Um, mm. I, let's, I mean, it sounds like the easy way in, but let's start with Luke. Um, um, I, I can't. Um, I, I can't look past Luke in this I, I, this this wonderful parable that that one of my old pastors I, I'm pretty sure would have called this um, a rainbow passage and what he meant by that was all the colours of grace are seen here. Oh, um, wow! Which I can't quite um, go past. I think there's something. There really is something spectacular and and terribly um, confronting to our ways um, about mm. this parable. This is um, this is a parable where mercy wins over justice, and and Jesus, we've got to remember, and I say this all the time about parables, but we've got to remember that Jesus is inventing the characters, and any extremes or exaggerations on reality um, are all Jesus making in this. So mm. it's not it's not that anyone would have imagined that Jesus once saw this happen um, because it just wouldn't happen. Um, there's this um, there's this kind of building up in this parable i think of of the offense of the son of the the son who goes i mean can you imagine um a young jewish man going to his dad and saying dad i you know i've been, I've been thinking about it i wish you were dead and i had your money <laughs> um you know you know this is sort of this is sort of a, a an unthinkable insult um in the culture of the time and, and that that you know that alone would have been so ridiculously offensive that um, you never invite this one home again. You never, um, you know, you don't even think of embracing this kid again. But then, of course, Jesus goes on and just multiplies it out. He ends up living in a Gentile city. He ends up feeding pigs. pigs. He yeah. ends up trying to eat 
um, you know, trying to eat the food of the pigs. Um, you know, it's it's like it's like Jesus has gone to the you know is using a story that he's gone to the extreme of the relationship with the father, but then he's just multiplied it out. This guy is insulting the whole nation on every level, really. Um, this is this is an unimaginable offence. Yes. Um, and and it, it's just not that Jesus saw this happen. Um, it's that he has invented it. And, and the extremes of this insult to the Father um, are, are of Jesus' making. <laughs> and, and then, of course, and, and, you know, it's clear that the Son knows it's completely unreasonable for him to ask to even be a servant again. Um, and I, you know, I love this story, this rehearsal of his, um, of his really insulting request <laughs> um, that he would be taken back and, and the father completely ignoring it. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the lack of dignity in this, uh, in the old man running down the road, um, uh, it, this is, um, this is such a, it's such a powerful, powerful story of how unconventional graces, how even offensive graces. Um, and and then, then, of course, then, then, of course, there's, there's two lost sons here, of course. I was going to say, it, the um, one that offends well, the most is the one to whom yeah. the father says, everything I've had has been yours all along. Yes. And I know that yes. for most of us, we like to put ourselves in the shoes of the younger son that, oh, yes, you know, the father yeah, will have yeah. us back. But I think yeah. where most of us are, the older son. And what's really interesting Ooh. about that too is, is that in a Jewish context at this time, uh, the mm. older son would have got two-thirds. The younger son would have got one-third because the older son always yeah. gets oh. double the amount. Yeah. yeah. And when the younger son yeah. comes back, the, the, the father is giving him rings and putting on cows and robes. And you can see this older son going, that's mine. You're, you're giving him more yes. than his shit. You're giving him out of this other two-thirds now. What are you doing? Um, yeah, yeah. Which, which made me really think about, well, was it really his to start with? Um, mm. You know, and the very fact that he was given, you know, the father divided between the two sons. But yet the older son stays. Um, I always used to wonder whether he got shirty with his younger brother because the younger brother did everything he always wanted to do but never had the guts to do. Um, Maybe. That's why he gets upset. But, but also this idea that, you know, this, I stayed here, this is part of my inheritance, you're giving more of it away. But as the father says to him, no, 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 no. Everything I've yeah. had, everything yeah. I have is already yours. There's a really interesting question here, which starts to open up with some of the other readings too, like, like the Joshua reading. You know that mm. we often we often like to say, "Oh, you know, it's, it's you know, material things don't matter. It's what happens within. It's the spiritual thing." Try telling that yeah. to the homeless guy across the street. Yeah, um, material yeah. matters just as much as yeah. the spirit matters, and I think the um, duality 
that we've brought to that in the West has, has been yeah. part of the problem because that's when, and I mean, look, it's even addressed in scripture. Um, you know, James says, if you see your brother hungry, you know, and a lot of you are saying, oh, God bless you, be at peace. No, give the dude something to eat. Um, the physical stuff's important. Um, yeah. uh, the material stuff matters. And so for this son, um, he's upset, the, the older son, because the father has taken um, the physical resources that is rightfully his. Um, he uses those to restore and then celebrate the return of the son mm. who was lost. And yeah. I think that's incredibly worth sitting on, particularly those of us who have been churches for a long time, in churches for a long time. Who mm. are we here for? I think it was Archbishop William Temple who said the, the church is the only organisation in history whose, um, or is the only organisation in history whose main members focus are there, is those who are not they, yet members. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, members it's, it's purpose. Focused on those. It's yeah. purpose are for yeah. people who are, are not yet members. Um, yeah. And there's that beautiful Greek proverb about, um, you know, wisdom is planting a tree that you'll never get to sit under. Um, yeah. there's, there's, there's so much in this that we need to truly think about. Um, you know, we can't spend this money. Why not? Because it needs to be in the bank. Why? Um, because, you know, the spirit stuff that matters. Oh, we can, you know, pray for the poor. Um, but let's not give them too much. They might hang around. Um, one of the great joys I have in my church is that I went out to use the bathroom during the service uh, last Sunday. <coughs> and I had to wait outside while uh, one of the homeless guys who lives in our area was having a shower in the sink. Um, <laughs> and we leave those, those toilets, don't have locks on them. We leave them unlocked all the time. Why? Because there's homeless people who live in and around our church who need a toilet and a sink. Um, and sometimes that's oh, that, at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning when someone in the church service needs to use the bathroom. And yeah. we're lucky. That, I mean, our, our congregation is predominantly older, but they've got beautiful hearts and, and they, mm. they give us and they care. But it would be so easy for them to say, oh, but, you know, I've been here for 35 years. We need to protect it. You know, these people yeah. are going to break windows and do this and do that. Actually, they probably protect the place overnight, man wasting money on security guards just patrolling but anyway um but, but the point is is that you know the, the physical matters just as much as the spiritual yeah. and we see it all through scripture you know um yeah. you know isaiah 55 uh, 58 and this is mm. the fast why it's a fast that's gonna you know feed the, it's a fast that'll literally feed the hungry well me just fasting and praying is not going to feed the hungry to feed the hungry food's got to get out the door and into their hands um, so the, the parable just really does take on this interesting bent when we understand that and then take the time to stop and go, which son am I really? Which child am yeah. I really? Because um, yeah. I think if and of course, of course, Mark, um, uh, of course, it's it's uh, because this is a parable. We have every potential to be at times or in certain relationships to function as the younger son 
and at times and in certain relationships and certain circumstances to find ourselves functioning as the older son. That would be um, really controversial, though. If you yeah. read really carefully what the father says to the younger son and what the father says to the older son, he's technically saying exactly the same thing to both. He's saying, all I have is yours. Yes. So the message, the yes. message isn't different. Yes, I, I, and I entirely agree. <laughs> but, um, but how many times, how many times do we find ourselves in the place of the one who is, um, is, is asking for restoration or reconciliation with God? And we find ourselves in, in situations where we're saying, hang on, this grace is too big. That's true. Um, we, we have the capacity to do to find ourselves on both sides, but you are absolutely right. Um, what a wonderful, wonderful thought that the message is the same for both. I really like that. And in, in the Joshua reading, this comes through. Um, you know, in the where he says, uh, where are we? Um, it was to your pre, the previous generation that the Lord swore that he would not let them see the land that he had sworn to their ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. But they went on the journey anyway. So here was a generation that, that, that went on this journey, didn't get to see the land, um, but they went on the journey anyway because it was right for their kids to go in. Um, mm. What I love about this too, the land flowing with milk and honey, I don't know how many times I read that and imagine this place where the rivers were white and the trees were just dripping um not understanding that if the land can be flowing with milk and honey but you still got to squeeze the teats of the cow or the goat you still or yeah. or mush up the soybean you have to raid the hive <laughs> to get the honey um yeah and as, yeah. And as somebody who who is an amateur beekeeper um the amount of work that you go to just so you don't get stung when you're raiding the hives um <laughs> They didn't have the same sort of suits and technology as we yeah, have now. Yeah, so at, at the end of, of the day, um, you know, there was something they had to do. Mm. Uh, it wasn't just sitting back and taking. And, and maybe that's where particularly the older son messed up a little bit. Uh, he was just sort of sitting back and taking, not realising yeah. that, 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 yes, everything that the, that the father he lives with um, has provided. And it's his, he has access to it, but there's still things he has to do. Um, and part of that is harvesting. Why? Because you share it. I mean, remember up to this point, these are the people who literally walked out in the morning and scraped mm. manna off the ground yeah. and had quails falling out of the sky. I mean, this was literally what these people had experienced. And uh, now they have to. And now they've got to do something. Um, which I find incredibly interesting uh, as you look at those two stories together and how, yeah. and how they fit. Um, yeah. Mm. God, God didn't leave them in a place where they were just going to sit back and lap it up. God took them to a place and said, now, it's almost like remembering Eden. Come and participate in this work in this garden with me. 
come and participate mm -hmm. in looking after these animals and looking after this land. Participate with me in this activity. That's almost like God's going back to that. Okay, look, for 40 years, you've been eating stuff off the ground and stuff that's fallen out of the sky, but you need to get back to this participation. There's something important yeah. about the participation. And it's, particip it's participation for physical again. Um, mm. You know, if you want to talk about justice, uh, the, the, the physical matters just as much as, as the spiritual heart. It's incredibly powerful. Um, that's, that's really interesting, Mark, because that, um, that idea of us contributing to God's world takes us right back to create the creation story, doesn't it? Yeah. Where, where you know, Adam and Eve are given, um, given work. Hmm. And, you know, admittedly, that, that changes to toil, um, you know, after after they choose to go their own way. Um, but before that, there is, there is work and contribution for them to make. The, and this is so dignified, I think. Um, and it's, it's interesting because, uh, you, you know, you talk about, um, you know, holding the physical and the spiritual together. Um, I, I think there are two wonderful high points in scripture at least that do this in, you know, you know, the most profound of ways. And one of them is that creation story, um, which, which really is so, such a grounded earthly story. Um, Adam means dirt man. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, that's how grounded this story is. Um, and then there's the incarnation. Um, Jesus becoming one of us, maintaining all the um, holiness and perfection of God um, and being one of us. This is not, you know, this whole story, it's just not anti-human. In, in fact, it's, prob it, it's probably deeply, deeply human. And 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 the spirit is part of that, not not opposed. So you know, I, I read a little bit of Richard Raw or have over the last couple of years, and um, I, I love his point that that Paul's contrast between spirit and flesh, his use of flesh is much much less about much less than you know these muscles. Um, under my skin, or uh, but it's much more about this ego. Uh, yeah, is, is the uses this this self centeredness rather than God centeredness, which is killing us physically and spiritually. And it's that's probably all. why that when you again looking back at the story of in Luke, you know that the young, the older son realizing that it's his stuff that's being used to reconcile the, the, the younger son in. He's contributing, but it hurts. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily hurt him physically, but it hurts his ego. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then again, and then, and then yeah. the Israelites again. Um, we've been lapping this up for 40 years in the desert, right? So now you've got to do something. What a hit to mm. the ego. 
What does that look like yeah. to the other nations who've been watching from a distance? You know, there's this white stuff on the ground and they come out and they take it and eat it and just appears every morning and then quails fall <laughs> out of the sky. What's yeah, going yeah. on for them? And now suddenly, well, they've entered this land that they're saying God's promised them, but now they're working at it. This is mm. what's, what's going on with this God of theirs. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, there's a really interesting thing there. But, but it's but you know coming and coming back now bringing in the Corinthians reading now too that the older son mm. um, he had a, he had a choice he he could have uh, joined the father in being a part of that reconciliation of the younger son back into the family instead he chose to um, speak against it and and to mm. come up against it. Um, uh, you know, and as Paul says in that passage, you know, we've been reconciled and through our reconciliation, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So again, it's not good enough for us to sit back and pray and say, God will reconcile them. No, no, no. We are called to be the ministers of reconciliation. That's yeah. our task. That's our contribution. Um, yes. And boy, that's a hit to the ego because mm. it means dealing with people yeah. that aren't, well, let me say this correctly. All being made in the image of God, we should realise that they are not just like us, they are us. But, of course, mm -hmm. our duality, particularly in a Western mindset, um, sort of basically says, well, they're not like me. I can't relate it to them. Seems so, we seem so determined to build walls between us and others. Yeah. Even us in creation, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I I love this passage on reconciliation, but I think it's uh, I think it's it's us reconciling with everything. Mm, yes, with, all with, things. Not just God, not just ourselves, not just people, but creation. Everything. We yeah. we are supposed to find our um, you know, our place here in the world um in creation and to love it um mm. to, to just rejoice in being part of it oh my goodness that's such religious language isn't it but um <laughs> just to just to d delight we, we are supposed to delight in all that god has given us um all, all that god has provided um, uh, I don't even know how to begin to explain all of that, except that, you know, there are, um, I, I think there are wonderful, wonderful moments in Christianity where we haven't built walls, but we've reconciled. And it makes us, it makes us more us. Yes. Um, it us, it makes us into who we really, really are. I love some of these, you know, these Celtic stories of these wonderful people who just um, immersed this, themselves in creation as, yeah. as a way of worship. Mm. Um, nothing, nothing short of it, it being an expression of their deep, deep love for God. Um, this idea that there are two books. Um, in fact, uh, one of the Celtic 
heroes, um, talks of, you, you know, the Bible is the small book. Yeah, and nature oh, is the big book. I love it. Nature, nature is the big book. Yeah. Um, you know, it, suddenly you're, you're not going through the world fighting it anymore. You're going through the world celebrating, asking for open eyes everywhere you turn. It's, it's such a different approach to, you know, the way so many, it's, you know, so, so many times we, you know, and I, again, I know the New Testament uses world in a negative way. But I, I just don't think it's the stuff of earth that's being referred to. It's um, uh, and if it if it is, we we have a massive problem with the incarnation. It, it's, well, I mean, it's this ultimate. is the thing because the incarnation, like you said, yes, there was an incarnation of the Christ in Jesus, but there was also an incarnation when God said, "Let there be." Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, I like that. which I like which that. John speaks of in John's Gospel. Yeah, in the beginning yeah. was the word, the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos yes. was God, and nothing yeah. was made through him that was not made. Yeah, um, I mean, what's really interesting is, is that you know we talk like this, but not not more than a few weeks ago, I had uh, a priest basically tell me that when I said, you know, Paul in Romans one twenty literally says that God has revealed who God is through all of creation, so no mm. one could miss out on experiencing who and what God is. And, an, and a priest basically said to me, that's not what that means. <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a hard one for people to cross over to. Um, what's really interesting, though, is that you know, remember when they changed the language of the Lord's Prayer and they changed, forgive us our trespasses, yeah, yeah. forgive us our sins? That, that really hurt. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, just talking about reconciliation, um, forgive us our trans, forgive our trespasses. When we forgive us our sins, sin has become a word that. What does it mean? I mean, to a lot of people, it's well, you kick your toe and you swear that's a sin. You have sex before you yeah, marriage, yeah. that's a sin. If you smoke, might be a sin, depending on which Christian denomination you belong to. Drinking the same. Uh, if you've ever smoked a drug or took taken a drug, you're probably a sinner. Um, mm. You know, and just the list goes on. I mean, to arbitrary things through history, things like, you know, the music you listen to, the length of your hair, the length of your skirt, whether you played mm. cards or not, what sort of, what was the rating on the movies that you watch? I mean, come on. <laughs> Literally, when you think about it, if you take the Ten Commandments, which Jesus bound down into two, love God, love your neighbour as yourself. Um, and so sin really is any breach of relationship. And if you have... A look, and it was um, Anglican chaplain Rod McDonald. Love Rod, cheerio to Rod if you're listening. I don't think he is, but um, he is a military chaplain, and I had a lot of time with him. And he remember him saying to me one day, "Mark, read the Beatitudes. When you read the Beatitudes, it's quite clear if you look at them carefully that God cares not so much about what you do; it's the outcome of what you've done that matters most." So when you read the Beatitudes, and you read God said, "Thou shalt." I mean, Jesus says, "It is written, Thou shalt not kill.'" But I say to you, don't call your brother an idiot, because the outcomes the same. Now, do this with a bunch of year tens, like I do every year, and they turn around and say to you, "Are you telling me that calling him an idiot is just as bad as stabbing him?" I say, "Yes, 
because you have breached relationship. It's the outcome that matters. Um, mm-hmm. The one I like to use often is, you know, your mum tells you not to eat a cookie out of the cookie jar, but you eat a cookie out of the cookie jar. There's a breach of relationship there. That's yeah, just yeah. as bad because the thing is, whether it's this string or this string or this string, if the string's cut, the string's cut, right? So God cares about the breach. It's not the activity that caused the breach because it doesn't matter how big or small the activity is. Now, are there worldly consequences? Of course there are. Um, If you have an affair with someone, you're going to find yourself having to tidy that up and going through all the messiness of what that's going to do to your family and relationships and so on. If you kill someone, of course, we live in a justice system where, you know, you have to face court and be charged and all that sort of thing those consequences will be there. You'll have to live with the consequences of the fact that you'd killed this person and so on and so on. Of course, those things are all there. Don't, don't get me wrong. However, um, at the end of the day, a relationship has been breached and it's our part of the healing process that reconciliation happens between those parties, whether it's between us and God, first four commandments, or us and others, second 10, all the law and the prophets hang on those two laws right? Love God, love your neighbor. So we could literally say that all the law and the prophets are about breaching relationship. Mm. And so this ministry of reconciliation becomes vitally, vitally, vitally important because it's literally what we are about. And again, Paul particularly writes about God wants to reconcile all things. And to use the phrase that so many other people have before me, the Greek there for all means all. Every single mm. bit. God wants to reconcile yeah. everything back to God. And it's not just me. Mm. It's everything. Why? Yeah. Because if you want to get down into the nitty-gritty of how a lot of um, particularly mystics through history have seen, and Christian mystics seen and understood this, the universe itself is God. We are living in either the words or the prayer or the mind of God. And we're a part mm. of that. So of course, God wants to reconcile that. Why? Because it's reconciling precisely who and what God is. Um, yeah. And so, so I, for one, have been really provoked to work out what that ministry of reconciliation looks like where I live mm. because it, it, it's dawned on me how vital it is. Yeah. So would you describe yourself um, uh, uh, panentheism? Is that, would, would that be your understanding of the world? God that, in everything? And I would, I would be very careful to make sure that I, further. yeah, yeah. I mean, not, yeah. So the difference, of course, as Marx pointed out, panentheism is different to pantheism. Pantheism is everything. Um, is, everything is, is God. Um, yeah. Panentheism, God pantheism is, in is that God is in everything. It's it's very much like, um, you know, when Jesus said, um, J- Jesus never really said, I am God. What Jesus said was, what God is, I am. And technically, he's also saying, what God is, you can be too. Mm. Mm. Uh, that, yes, they're two very I, different I things. Two very different yeah. things. So I'm not saying trees are God. I don't know you understand that either because I, I think no. you'll come into the same no. place. The trees aren't yeah. God, but the very essence of God's force, power, energy, the thread that holds all those things together, the, all the things, that all of it came from God. 
It's not separate yeah. from God. Yeah. Just like my kids, while they're separate beings, they carry my DNA. Yes, um, yes. You know, everything carries the DNA of God if it's mm. come from the voice of God. There can be no other way to see it. Otherwise, our creation story, what is it? Yeah. What is it? And again, I'm not even taking the story <laughs> literally. Where, but this is um, where I love the this is where I love the language of the small book and the big book. Yes. Um, because there, there's almost something um, there's almost something offensive of, in that. You know, what do, what do you mean the Bible's the small book? But you know, everything in the Bible is it just seems to be pushing us out into the world, asking us to see everything differently. Yes. Um, asking yes. us to see everything from the perspective of God. So this isn't, um, you know, what a shame when we read scripture and are content with even understanding it. Um, th that, can be, that can be such a shallow way of reading that doesn't, send us out into the world in absolute wonder at every little bit of what it is. Yes. Um, clearly, this is a book we're not supposed to just read. We're supposed to live. <laughs> this is a perspective we're not supposed to just be able to explain, but we're supposed to go out and be um, consumed by it, really. Um, again, this is where I think the Celts were, the, the Celtic Christians were masters of this stuff. You see how they get lost in creation and it's all, all worship. And yeah. how there's, there's so little, so little divorce between, um, between looking at the world in absolute worship and looking at the world and trying to understand what it's trying to tell us um so how it so how it works is all a revealing of god what, what a shame when we're you know we're content just to explain that rather than go out into the world and be consumed by wonder <laughs> I, I think we could uh, you know i i think this this should be be the way not only we approach a forest or a valley or a you know a cliff or the sea you know all of those things should make us brim with wonder but the same is true of people yes 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 you know, yes you know mark we we should we should be um be if we if we're saying we can be captivated by God, the, the creativity of God that is profoundly physically invested in an apple tree, the same wonder should fill us when we meet a new person. In your case, at school. In my case, uh, at a cafe. You know, we, we should be um, absorbed into this possibility that God is being revealed in this person, which is exactly what is happening. Yes. Um, 
this is a manifestation of the character of God in front of us. Um, like you and me, it may be marred or diseased or broken in some way. Um, so what? The essence, the essence of another person is image of God. Uh, this is, this is a, a picture, a picture of God in the world. Yeah. Um, man, man, would we we would be so different because we would love so radically if we if we just continue to take you know one step each day in the direction of saying i want to see god in everything in everyone that that's what i'm looking for i'm actually looking for the wonder um i, I think it can uh, you know, it can fill us with more than knowing the right answer that we should love God and love others, but we could actually do it. And, and, I, and I reckon that's, I reckon that throws people off balance. When you actually treasure people, not because of what they can do for you. And, and I, I think I, I would look, I'm not sure if this language is, I'm not, I'm not sure about this language, but you know, I, you know, I, I hear a lot of a lot of talk about, you know, we're going out looking for people of peace. Uh, I, I think we can be people of peace as we learn to love everyone and everything. We we become inherently people of peace. And I, and I would I would argue that at that point people are deeply deeply attracted to us. Um, they 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 actually see that we are we are living it from a very different place, and they are intrigued. Yeah, maybe claiming that for everyone is a bit rich, but well, um, lens of time of transformation, I, man. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we supposed I, I to be transforming myself, to? I, I find myself deeply dissatisfied with the idea of going out and looking for people of peace as much as saying, saying, God, make me one. Well, this is the difference, isn't it? You, you can go out looking all your yeah, life yeah. when you could be the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if, if I'm looking for people of peace, um, and I, I, I really... You know, there's something about me that likes that language as well. But there's something, there's something in me that wants to learn to be that person, um, to, to initiate relationships of reconciliation and peace and trust and conversation and learning, um, not just you know, not just looking for people who I can transfer my knowledge of God to, but actually being a person who does that. Uh, Mark, I'm not even making sense to myself at, at the moment. But Lent for. Man, that's... Lent for. <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really matters to me. You know, this reconciliation stuff, this is yeah. profoundly, profoundly hopeful. 
for um, for our world. Um, and I think this is, you know, this is being expressed in a thousand different ways by people as they try to recycle and care for the environment a little bit more, stand up uh, against what's happening in Ukraine, and um, you know, all of these, all of these kind of little moments. I, th I think I think everything can be reconciliation. Every moment can be an opportunity for us to bring together things that well, it's, our neglect of pulls apart. It's all very well and good to think that you know what little difference can I make? So I'm bother. But when there's seven point eight yeah. billion people saying that, that's a worry. Yeah, Brent yeah, Four, folks, we're <laughs> interested in your thoughts too. Make sure you jump onto Instagram, uh, hit the Barefoot Follower website, have a look at the articles, leave your thoughts, leave your reflections, leave your comments, uh, drop them on the, the YouTube video as well. I'm happy to take your comments there. Uh, tell us we're right, tell us we're wrong, tell us we're crazy. Um, we are growing and journeying along with you and we want to have conversation so please join us in that lent four we are going to come back to you next week next wednesday for another episode of between two sundays where yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what we did with these um and then we're going to chew on <laughs> lent five so uh yeah mate anything yeah. else you want to say before we wrap it up uh just um Oh, what a great conversation! What a what a fun <laughs> conversation! Um, and I, I think all of these readings really do boil down to reconciliation, don't they? Yeah, it's um, an interesting, interesting week. There, there's a lot here. It's such a central concept to what God is doing. Absolutely, um, in the person in every um, yeah. What, what a shame! What a shame when we're not um, embracing that call. Amen. You know, I think it takes courage. I think, you know, a lot of the world is being ripped apart. Um, so it's anything but reconciliation. So it is it is very countercultural a lot of the time. Absolutely. Don't That's get it, it folks. Again, no, no, we'll okay. be kicking it again. Kicking it again. So till next week, <laughs> uh, bye for now, folks. Thanks, Mark. Good to chat again, as always. No worries. Thank you. Bless you, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week for another Between Two Sundays. Bye for now.